He's, he's got his true image, his projected image, and his perceived image. Your true image is the only place where there's anointing and power and uh, blessing. And your true image is the only place where, where you're going to rule and reign. Your projected image, that's how you want people to see you, is based off of your perceived image. That's how you think people see you. And if you have a problem with your image and you think low of yourself and, and you don't believe in you, why is that? Because the enemy knows that if he can mess with your image, well, you've been made in the image of God. So he's ain't just messing with your image, but he's messing with the image that you see God in. So if he can make you think that you're a loser, really, I, I understand not, well, I'm not in the conscious, not in the cognitive realm, but in the non-cognitive realm, you know how your brain works? You know, in the cognitive realm, you can read and deal with about 200, 225 words a minute. If you're really sharp, you might get 300. The cognitive mind is operating at 3,000 words. You know, you're getting messages constantly, 365 days a year. You're getting embarded with messages that are contrary to the Word of God because you have an enemy that wants to pin penetrate your mind, your brain, and tell you that you're just not good enough. And you start living there, and you, your image starts breaking down, and it's, it's all your relationship with God. All of a sudden, well, you're not believing like you should believe. Why? Because your image is messed up. It's good to be with you when you show up. When the real you's in the room, not, not some perceived image, not some projected image, but when you in Christ show up and you realize that, you know what, I don't get to just do whatever I want and get off the hook because, you know, no responsibility. But the reality is, is that when the blood's applied to my life, I'm in Christ. Good Lord. I don't have anything to be ashamed of. It's good to be where life's at. They put the blood over the doorpost so the death angel would keep going, remember? So the blood of Jesus applied to the doorpost of your life. Death, what is that? Separation. So you don't have to live separated from God life. You can be, you can be connected every day. Amen? It's good to be with you. I said it's good to be with you. You're the life of the party. Help me, Jesus. Okay. If you're, if you're here today and you don't own a Bible, hold your hand up. The usher's going to bring one to you. That way you can read it for yourself. Our gift to you, want to make sure everybody's got a copy of the Word of God, get in the book. Study the book. Amen? I know you know all of the people on Survivor and what their names are and their addresses and when they got kicked off and what order they did it in and, and, and what they were wearing when they went to the third elimination. You need to know God's Word. Okay? God's Word's going to make a difference in your life. I said, God's word is going to make a difference in your life. David said, thy word is lamp to my feet and light to my path. Turn the light on, get God's word, get it in the soil of your heart. Realize you cannot expect a harvest out of a field you ain't put no seed in. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a tough crowd this morning. Guys, I'm praying for you. Because, uh, you know, I've been away for several days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, last week, preaching two times a day. I'm coming home all fired up, and here we are. 
and and I look at you and I hear the words fresh meat. There you are, fresh meat. And, and, and I'm excited about what God's doing. And I intend to take you to, to victory land, get you out of Mamby Pamby land. That's what I'm going to do, get you out of Mamby. Have you seen that commercial with the, with the guy? That's me in counseling. I don't get at it. And, and, uh, but, so just hold your Bible up in there. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Oh, think about it. I am. That's why it's so good to be with me. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise. He's worthy. <laughs> Amen. Have you ever wondered why unbelievers don't like to go to church? It's because we're here. Well, come on. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in church. And all through my teen years, I couldn't wait to get out of there. Because, you know, you're just hanging around with a bunch of angry, bitter people who fake their way through life, who say one thing in that room and go out in the hallway and say something different who say that they believe a certain thing, but you go to their house and you find out they don't believe that. They, they, got, they got belief systems. No, they got the abbreviation of belief systems. They got BS, belief systems, right? And, and, you know, I just couldn't wait to separate from all that mess. You know, really, <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it's not. Because really, can you imagine having people tell you that, you know, hey, if you, if you pray this prayer and write your name on this card and, you're, you're, you know, life's going to get better, and you find out, no, it didn't. Why? Well, because we're so, we're connected to God, but we're so separated from God life. John 10, 10, Jesus came that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. You might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. The thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief came to rip you off. The thief came to, to rob you blind. The thief came to, to separate you from life. Jesus came to connect you, reconnect you to God life. Zoe is the Greek word there. It's life as God has it. What's sad is so many people are going to have to die before they get eternal life. Eternal life isn't supposed to start when you die. It's actually life eternal or life everlasting, everlasting life. It's Zoe. In other words, it's more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more healing than sickness. More, it's more than enough. You know, you know what I love is, like, you know, when the family comes and, well, they told us what we should expect. And then we went to the Word of God. And, no, the Word of God tells us what we should expect. So the girls just get sleep every night, and we don't have that chaos in our house. Why? Well, because it, why would I accept something that's contrary to the Word of God? You do understand that your understanding really determines God's ability to operate in your life. Your understanding is what you are standing under. It's that which you've given the ability to provide covering for. To you, this is the cover. It's like the umbrella of your life. You know how many people that that struggle in in certain areas, and and I, you know, trust me today. I love you. I, I you know, I believe in you. I, I'm taking you. I want to take you to victory. 
I refuse to leave you in bondage when the doors are wide open. Okay. But a lot of people, they struggle with certain beliefs and certain, well, I don't know if healing's for everyone. Show me that in the book. Now, I know that somebody might have told you that. And they might have said, well, I can prove it because I'm sick. Really? The fact that you don't have the production of God's promise in your life is not proof that God's a liar. It's proof that you're separated from the life that was produced what he promised. Because I know that when you do what he said, he'll produce what he promised. Say it. Every single time. Right? So here's the deal. Is that, you, you know, you, you might struggle and say, well, I, I don't think healing's for everybody. But, well, that's the umbrella that you're standing under. That's your understanding. Mark 4, 24 in the Amplified Bible says, be careful what you hear. It doesn't say be careful what you listen to. It says be careful what you hear. The word here is understand. Be careful what your understanding is. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. Here's how revelation knowledge works. You begin to understand and all of a sudden it begins to multiply. Of course, verse 25 is true too. To him who has will more be given, but from him who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. How do you take something away from somebody who has nothing to be taken? Well, because it's not that you don't have it, it's that you don't understand you have it. And if you don't understand you have it, then you don't even notice when it's gone. See, there's a lot of people that don't miss their God life because they didn't know they had God life to begin with. They're, they're waiting to die before they experience God life. So when the enemy rips them off from God life, they're not upset because they didn't know they had God life. You with me? It, it boggles my mind why people, it, you know, we're going to talk about healing and people who are sick want to get mad because we'd rather justify why we got this on us than move to a new understanding. The level of thought, look at verse 24, the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear is the measure of virtue and knowledge. Virtue is power. You do realize that the only part of God's word that works is the part that you do. Right? Well, God is in control. No, you are. And what you base your authority on, you know, your end result's not determined by your circumstance. Circumstance is a word that means the circle in which you stand. You want to change your circumstances, move three feet to the left, you'll have a whole brand new set of circumstances. So, you know, final outcome is not determined by circumstance. It's determined by character. And character is, is the product of habitual lifestyle. And habits, well, well, those are just actions that are performed consistently. And those actions, th- that's just the result of choices that you've made. And choices, well, that's the product of emotion. Every choice you make is based off of emotion, feeling. Those feelings, where do they come from? They come from your thought life. The thought, where does that come from? It comes from the word. And if you start with the word, if you start with God word, you'll have God thoughts. You have God thoughts, well, you're going to have godly emotion. You have godly emotion, you're going to make godly choices, make godly choices. You're going to perform godly action, perform godly action. You're going to develop godly habits. Have godly habits, you're going to develop godly character, develop godly character. You're going to have a God's outcome. And it ain't get any difference what's going on around you. It, you know, you might have seasons of certain things, but you can't sustain anything that your character 
won't support. See, the enemy, if he can't prevent you, he will promote you. If he can't get you to live in poverty, he'll give you just enough prosperity that you don't have the character to handle that prosperity, so you sabotage your own future because of your lack of character, right? But if you build your character based on the Word of God, you get God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, so how are we going to begin? We're going to begin with the Word, right? And that, that truth, you know, God's Word, Romans ten seventeen, faith cometh by hearing. Again, understanding. Faith doesn't come by listening to the Bible. You can come in here and listen. And go out and not have any faith. That's what, that's what most of the church has done. All my life, that's what the church has done. We've listened to messages and couldn't wait to get to Dairy Queen. Right? Oh, well, I was thinking round table. Well, whatever. But here's the deal, is that faith doesn't come by listening. Faith comes by hearing. Once you begin to hear the Word of God, it births faith inside of you, right? Well, what does faith do? Faith begins to change your vision. Because now you begin to see stuff that you couldn't see before because now it's based on the Word of God. Right? Man, I, hmm. think for just a minute. You know, here, here's Jesus teaching the guys and, and, and Peter. He's, he's, he's borrowed Peter's boat and he says, you know, and he teaches them for a while. And then he tells Peter, come on, let's launch out into the deep and lower the nets. And Peter had fished all night and caught nothing. But it says, on the, on the ground of your word, I will lower the net again. You know, he, he wasn't upset. He wasn't mad because I just got off the graveyard shift and I want to go home and, and I'm, a, I'm a fisherman and you're a preacher. How about you preach? I fish. That wasn't his attitude. You know, sometimes we, we like to look at that and say, well, Peter, he, he was really upset. No, Peter said, on the ground of your word. In other words, Peter said, I just heard what you said. So when I take what you just said and do what I've always done, I can expect to get a result I ain't never seen before because now I'm basing what I've always done on what you just said. You may need to get the tape because you're not going to understand this. But if you ever understand God's word, it begins to open up and multiply in your life. If you don't, you lose the power of God's word. But if you don't give thought and study, if you don't press in to understand, if you just listen, you can't just listen. You got to hear it. You know, it's not just the word. It's the voice behind the word. It's the power of God operating in your life. See, here's the deal is that God has chosen you. Remember, Jesus told the guys, he said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Why, why do you think hell's fighting so hard against you? Because of the future that's in front of you. How does, how does the enemy keep you so blinded to what's in front of you? By reminding you so constantly about what's behind you. You're all messed up about your past. And your past doesn't matter. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and future. God's taking you somewhere. Hell's fighting, you're getting there. And if you don't understand, if you're understanding, if the umbrella you stand under is based upon the mistakes you've made in the past, well, then you're right, you're toast. You're not good enough. You can't handle. You don't have what it takes. You, on your own, you know, looking back, you're done. You got to pray that, come quickly, Jesus. But if you could see how God sees you and the future that he has for you, 
Oh, baby. You'd realize, now I need to lock in with God's plan. Now I get why hell's fighting so hard. I got it. Hell's mad because God's good. God's going to bless me, not so that I can get a new car, a new house. I'm, I'm going to have all that stuff. But he's blessing me because he has a, when he chose me, he had a plan, a purpose. He had a purpose. A lot of times, a lot of times we think that if we surrender to the plan of God that we're going to lose everything we want, that God's going to send us to places we don't really want to go. Do you really think that God, who knows everything, he's all wisdom, he's got this thing going on, right? He's pretty smart. Do you really think that God would want to take people with a nasty attitude and send them to people that they don't want to talk to and have them be the ones to tell them about him who made them go where they didn't want to go, do what they didn't want to do, talk to people they didn't want to talk to? I mean, does that make any sense at all? Look at your neighbor and say, slap me as hard as you can. Some of the dumb stuff that we believe. Well, if I surrender to God, life's going to be miserable. That'll make you a great witness. That when you surrender to God and your life becomes so miserable that you can go around the world and declare how hard life is. And that's the attitude churches have. How stupid is that? I mean, that's just plain dumb. And... If you connect to God life, all of a sudden, more life than death. More joy than sorrow. You know, it rains on the just and the unjust alike in this world of tribulation, but be of good cheer. How could he say that? Because I got, I, got, I got bigger life than you got trouble. Well, we, we, you know, there's people in the church, they've experienced death and loss, and, but there's more life than death. There's more peace than chaos. Yes, there's chaos, but you're looking at the wrong wrong side of the issue. God's chosen you to demonstrate his complete power. The Bible says that we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The CEV version says that you already have everything you need to live a life that absolutely pleases God. If I had my glasses, I'd read all kinds of notes to you this morning, but I can't see anything in here. Just a minute. Go to 1 Peter 2.16. (laughs) Act like free men. Can Can I just submit this thought to you? That you need to act like a believer. You need to act like a believer. If you act free long enough, you'll be free. Well, I'm not going to pretend my way through life. I ain't going to fake it. Well, see, the first time you did something that was just cruel and mean, everybody looked at you and said, they're just having a bad day. I mean, you acted that way, but we know that that's not really you. Second time, third time, they kept covering you. But after a certain amount of time, people started agreeing with the way you acted. Yep, he's a jerk. Right? See, the first time you made a mistake, they didn't say that's a jerk. They said they're having a bad day. 
You act like a jerk long enough, we agree with you. You're a jerk. Right? You act free long enough, you'll be free. Act healed long enough. See, well, that's easy for you to say. It's easy for you to say it. It's hard to do it when you don't feel good. But there have been mornings I got up and I didn't feel saved. But I need to act saved. Act saved long enough and pretty soon you just saved. Act blessed long enough and you'll be blessed. There are, there are mornings I think that, you know, Shelby and I might wake up and neither one of us feel married. But we be married. And she looks at me and she says, you better act married today. Act. God's chosen you. First uh, Chronicles 28.10 in the New American Standard. Check this out. Consider now the Lord has chosen you to build a house. Be courageous and act. Act. King James says, you know, be strong and do it. The word do literally means to act, to perform, to complete, to, to, to bring to the expected end. You can't do it if you don't act it out. You got to act like you're called to God, right? You got to act like you're called to God. Quit. Don't act like, don't live. Don't allow your actions to line up with unbelievers. And I'm not talking, you know, we're not talking about creating these religious hoops and you, know, you got to change our habit, can't smoke and can't drink and can't cuss. And that, that is so far from where God wants to deal with you at. Don't act like you ain't got more power than the world has. If God be for me, who cares who's against me? I'm here today to tell you that that philosophy and that, that mentality and that teaching, well, you know, that drinking is a sin, that ain't in the book. I wish it was. I wish I could teach my kids that drinking was sin and scare them so they won't drink. It's not a sin. It's just stupid. The Bible says don't be drunk. Okay? But it doesn't say don't drink. It says don't get drunk. I know we're opening up a whole new can of worms. That's okay. I only got 20 minutes. But the deal is is we get hyper-focused on the wrong stuff. You have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen generation. Everybody say, I'm chosen. Well, come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I'm chosen. Let's say it together. I'm chosen. If you have friends that just got born again, they're going to read the Bible. Get them out of Matthew. Matthew is hard reading. Do we, do we have it? Go to Matthew 1. Check it out. King James Version. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's good so far. Okay. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Hmm. Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Thamar. And Phares begat Ezram. And Ezram begat Aram. Aram begat M, M, A. And A begat N. And N begat Salmon. And Salmon begot booze, booze. There's booze in the Bible. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, we're at verse 5. This is getting really good right in here now because we already hit booze. Okay. Look at verse 16. Is it 16 that I want? Boom. 
All the generations from Abraham to David are 14. Everybody say 14. From the carrying away of David to the carrying away of Babylon are 14. Say 14. From the carrying away into Babylon under Christ are, okay, ready for math today? 14 plus 14 equals 28 plus 14 equals <laughs> some of you guys. 42. Okay, go back this afternoon. This would be really cool for you. Go back this afternoon and count the generations listed there. There's 41. You know why? Because God's not good with math. No, you're the chosen generation. Go back. Put that back. You're a chosen generation. You're the 42nd. You're 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 a no, we're back in first Peter. You're a chosen generation, a royal holiness, his own special people. You are, guys, you, if you don't see anything, do they see this? You're the end of the story. Okay, you're the end of the story. And that you should proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. Light is enlightenment, wisdom, insight, revelation. So darkness is really ignorance. You've been called out of the not knowing into the known. God wants to bring you out. So to show forth the praises of him is King James. To show forth the praises. You know what that says in the original in the original text? It says to demonstrate the full power of him who has called you out of darkness. See, darkness where you don't even know the full power of God. Darkness is where you don't even miss the fact that life's been taken from you. You didn't know you had it in the first place. But enlightenment is where you realize Jesus did not come onto the face of the planet as the perfect child of God, sinless, get himself nailed to a tree, beaten, spat upon, scorched, thrown into a tomb, dead, went to hell, was raised from the dead, was sent on high and seated at the right hand of the Father. He didn't go through all of that so I could live like somebody who doesn't know God. No, that, he, he came to reconnect you to life. So that you can live a life that demonstrates Satan's defeat on a daily basis. That there would be a power inside of you that enabled you, empowered you to live a lifestyle that's an absolute humiliation to hell. So when trouble knocks, you go, I'm not afraid to answer the door. Why? Because I got more life than death. I got more peace than, than chaos. I, I got more health than, than disease. I, hello, somebody. And it's so weird because we struggle with stuff that God needs you to, to, to grab onto. You know, we made a commitment as a body. We, we commit. We're going to attend church. Shouldn't we be doing that? We're going to tithe. Duh. If you're a believer, well, yeah, but that's under the law. We say stupid stuff. You know, that's called ignorance, stupid stuff. You don't want to shift under grace here when you're talking about your money if you're struggling with your 10%. Because under the law, tithing is not under the law, but tithing, if it is, cool, because now we're under grace. Well, under grace, stuff don't get easier. It gets harder. Under the law, Jesus said under the law, you guys said don't commit adultery. Under grace, I say don't even look at a woman with lust in your eyes. It gets harder. You say, don't murder. I say, don't even dislike them. How come it got harder? Because now you got grace. Grace is an empowerment that enables you to do anything God's asked you to do. 
It ain't a blanket you're hiding your sin. The blood of Jesus washed your sin away. That grace is in the empowering agent of God to do what he's called you to do. Under the law, you brought him 10%. Under grace, you have to bring him everything. If you really think tithing's under the law, then you got to rent a U-Haul today on the way home to gather up all your junk to haul it in here. And we don't want it. Okay, I can't get in my own garage. The last thing I need is you hauling your junk down here. Right? All you want's my money. Slap yourself. I don't want any of your money. I don't want any of your money, but I do want to tell you something today that in order to do what God's called you to do, you have to prosper. So we put stuff out there, you know, we, we, well, let's finish with our commitments. I, I get all sidetracked here. Here's our commitment. We're going to church. We're tithing. Praise God. We're going we're gonna to pray and read the Bible every day. And you can't pray, by the way, unless you're in the Word. You can complain, call it prayer, but that don't produce results. Any of, you, any of you guys ever prayed and found out later you weren't praying, you were just whining? Grew up in church, guys. Grew up in church. And I got to tell you something. If you don't know how to pray, you need to come on out on a Thursday night and hook up with the prayer partners and the intercessors and start start the journey as a prayer work. But it to pray effectively, you've got to take God's word and God's presence, get into agreement with God on that word, okay? And finally, somebody educated me, and, and it really helped because I've got to tell you something. I used to hate prayer meeting. As a kid growing up, you know, and really, you go back not too many years ago, prayer meeting, oh, my God. We, we used to have a, a, a prayer meeting that we had to go to on New Year's Eve. And I thought, you know, this is just a wonderful deal. We get a ruin the year. I mean, that's how I thought. I thought, Gear, you know, help me. Jesus, please. You know, we're going to go in. The last thing of this year is just going to be a mess, and we're going to ruin the next one before it even gets going. Because prayer, I mean, it was just, oh, my God. But once you learn that effective prayer, God's prayer, because, you know, it's one thing to go into the presence of God and tell him stuff that he needs to know. Because obviously he doesn't know, right? Because it's happening to you and he ain't done anything, so obviously he hadn't, he hadn't seen it. So God, do you see how hard life is? I'm really going through it here, Lord. Help. Life sucks. People are mean. They say nasty things. Life hits hard. You can do that for a long time. You won't feel better. You can get groups of people to agree with you. Yes, life is hard. Yes, people have been mean. Those people are mean to you. You should come hang out with us. We'll be nice to you. You're not going to feel better. But when you take God's word in God's presence, say, okay, God, I have strength for all things. Your word says I have strength. So I'm standing here in your presence today, Lord, and I'm going to declare that I have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. I thank you today, Lord, that no weapon formed against me can prosper, but every tongue that rises against me I can condemn because this is the heritage of the children of the living God, saith the Lord. That's what you said, God. I'm going to get into agreement with what you said. All of a sudden, there's a power that's released, and your prayer becomes pretty effective. And now you've got the ability to change some things, right? And we, as a body, we're making commitments 
to, to be in church, to parentize, to pray, and, and to read our Bible. But, you know, but then we had the cards, you know, and we wrote out stuff. And I'm just thinking that you might want to get a new card every now and then and write something on there that makes some sense. I commit to get along with my wife. Well, I'd hope so, right? Because if you are in the Word and praying the Word, you can't help but get along. Why? Because, well, Isaiah 32, 18 says that my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwell in a quiet resting place. Do you realize that this is what God's Word, this is what we pray over you? Why? Well, because you're God's people, right? Look at somebody and say, I'm God's people. This is what we pray over you every week. God, you said that your people dwell in a peaceful habitation. Can I tell you, that word peaceful, that has shalom in it. What is shalom? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Soundness of mind and body, total provision in every other realm of life. Prosper. Can I tell you, you, you need to get one of the cards. Every week we're going to take now, for the next few weeks, we're going to come together and we're going to take a new card. And today we're just starting here. We're going to finish next week probably. But, uh, probably. But uh, we're going to take the God challenge I commit to and we're going to share with you what you ought to commit to. This week, I commit to prosper. I commit to prosper. I commit to prosper. Not, I'm not talking about just getting more money. I'm talking about every realm of your life, that you're going to get sharper in your mind. You're going to get healthier in your body. Your relationships are going to get stronger. Your finances are going to increase, but you're going to prosper and increase in every realm of your life. Why? Because if you don't commit to it, it ain't going to happen. You know, and, and we, we, we want to relieve ourselves of the responsibility, but the fact of the matter is, is that you've got to prosper in order to obey God. My people shall dwell in a prosperous house, is what it literally says. Matthew six twenty four, No one can serve two masters. The word serve, yield in obedience to. I bet there aren't very many of you in the room that have ever, one time, I doubt one time that you've laid in your bed at night, couldn't go to sleep because you were worried about what to do with all your money. Just can't sleep. I got so much money, I don't know what to do with it. Oh, my God. But I doubt that there's very many of you that haven't laid awake at night wondering, how could we get some more of that because we need it? We don't have enough. My point is, is that lack will cause you to focus on money more than provision will. And to yield to in obedience, God said, you can, only yield, you can only yield in obedience to one of two masters. So if money is making your decisions for you, if you can't afford to obey God, you can't serve God and not prosper. You cannot do what God's called you to do and not prosper. You've got to prosper to obey God. Why? Because he's going to ask you to do stuff you can't afford. He's going to lead you into battles you couldn't possibly win. He's going to present you with problems you couldn't possibly solve. He's going to lead you into circumstances you can't afford. Why? Well, because he's there. He ain't looking at you. But if you focus on lack, 
You're done. You can't obey God and not prosper. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Well, if you're not prospering, you're outside of his plan. If you're outside of his plan, you're missing the mark. If you're missing the mark, I think they call that sin. You got to prosper. And you want to know what's crazy? Is that here I come to tell you God wants you to prosper, and you're going to dig your heels in and try to prove that you don't have to. Look at your neighbor and say, get an ID10T form. You need an ID10T form. An ID10T form. ID10T form. Write it down. ID10T. It spells idiot. Okay. You've got to prosper. All he wants is our money. Never give another dime. Don't, don't give the church another dime. You're going to have to join another church. And you can swing by here and get taught. I don't care. You're going to prosper because God needs you to. And your community needs to see in the middle of recession, recession, that word just drives me crazy. It, it is a response to a given report. How about you respond to God's report? I don't participate in recession. Why would I do that? I have a different report. I'm called to prosper. I've been blessed of God, positioned to win and succeed in any given situation. I don't live by what I see, for the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen, those are eternal. For we are led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. We, we, we don't take a hold of the things that are perceived by the senses, but we understand that that which is not perceived by the senses is going to pull us through all of this stuff. That I'm above only, not beneath. I'm the headlight, not the taillight. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out and blessing the city and blessing the field. Oh, hey, I'm blessed so blessed it just irritates you to death. I'm blessed. And I, I'm not going to hang with a bunch of people. You do realize that people are like elevators. They're going to take you up or they're going to take you down. Make sure, make sure that you're on the up, people. You're, you're in the up thing. You know, let me just close with this thought. The other day, Saturday, you know, they rearranged the whole schedule because the Ducks were playing. I was preaching in Eugene, Springfield, Oregon, you know, duck country. So the church had to start at 8. So they had to stop everything, do, go at eight, and they had this room about this, this size and big screen TVs and a piece of parlor thing going on. They'd rented the whole thing, and they're having, you know, because right in the middle of their meetings. I mean, they had these meetings twice a day doing it. I mean, all day long doing this stuff, but oops, we've got to stop, and we got to go do this thing. And it's because the ducks are playing. So I grabbed all my beaver gear. <laughs> oh, man, I beavered up. And, uh, you know, I got a bunch of beaver stuff because it's black and orange like the boys' high school. So I, we bought beaver stuff. So here we are. And we're, I'm in that place and eating my salad, and the room explodes. And they're jumping up and down, you know, high-fiving. And I'm like, and I looked at Pastor Aaron, and I said, people act like something good happened. What's going on? I mean, I literally asked him that. How come they're so excited? And he's like, the ducks scored. I said, don't they do that very often? And uh, he actually asked me, do you have two sermons ready? I mean, they're such fanatics. He said, one in case we win and one in case we lose. And I'm thinking, man of faith. You know, uh, 
But these guys were just going nuts, right, during the game. And, not, and it was a very – I don't know if you watched it. Who cares? It was a very close game. The Ducks are number one in the nation. They shouldn't have had any problem, but they struggled. And, at, you know, and at halftime, in the locker room, do you really think that the coach would come in at halftime and look at them and say, wow, they're hitting you hard, huh? Some, somebody give him a donut. He's getting hit hard out there. Uh, sprinkle some water on that one over there. Let's, let's stand around and sing a little song together because we need him to feel better before he goes back out. Because, dang it, he's got another half he's got to endure. You really think that's how the coach looking at the Ducks at halftime, the number one in the nation team? I think, you know, well, don't you think the coach loved him? He probably just doesn't care. He doesn't understand. But he probably stepped in there and said, what are you thinking? You're playing like a bunch of losers. You're better than that. And see, and that, that's kind of where I'm at. That's what's burning inside of me. You're better than this. You, you got more ability, more power, more vision, more insight than you're letting on. What are you doing living life so small? The life we brought you to, the message says, it, it's not a small life. You're just living it in a small way. What are you thinking? How come you're listening to a voice that's contrary to the voice of God and lining up with the world's opinion when you don't need to surrender to that? I've called you. God's called you to prosper. You quit being ashamed that you're blessed. There's other people who are hurting, right? And they need to believe that if they came to God, life would get better. You need to believe that when you came to God, you were made better. And now when you show up, everything gets better. Why? Because God has called you, equipped you, he's qualified you, anointed you, infused you, empowered you. Not so you could fit in, but so you can stand out. You need to make a commitment. I'm going to prosper. My life is on the increase. I said, my life is on the increase. I'm not going down in any area. Oh, there might be a moment, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, a dip. But you, you got to understand, poverty cannot contain it. it we can't sustain poverty. Why? Because we have a prosperous spirit. Matthew six, I think it's like a, I got one minute, twenty-two. If the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is sound, your entire body will be full of light. Look at verse 23. If your eye is unsound, your whole body will be full of darkness. So here's, here's my question. How do you see it? See, if all you see is the darkness, you ain't got the Word of God. If all you have is excuses why you can't make it, you're seeing it wrong. You need the Word. If you have excuses, why? You know, listen to me. I know it's hard if you're struggling physically, then surround yourself with people who can speak the word into you. Do not find people who will agree with you that you don't feel good. Well, don't you understand? Yeah, I understand. I understand extremely well. 
I was raised by a guy that was sent home to die with cancer after chemo and radiation. Tubes up his nose to feed him. So weak, he couldn't lift his head. He had to do it with his hand. And he got on the word of God and said, I refuse to die. And the days that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an instant miracle, was it, Jim? It was a long, drawn-out process. And he would get stronger and stronger. But he'd have days where he'd say, I just want to go be with Jesus. And my mom would come in and say, oh, well, yesterday you said. And he told me a bunch of times that the only reason he got better was so he could whip my mama's behind. That's who you need in your life. You do not need somebody that agrees with you and says, I know it's hard and it's been rough and there's a reason you're sick. That is the last thing you need. You need somebody to say, well, the Bible says I will live and not die and declare the goodness of my king. The Bible says that you've been called of God to demonstrate the full power of him who's called you out of darkness and translated you into the marvelous light of his dear son. The Bible says that he sent his word and healed you. Not going to heal, but done did it. You need to prosper. In that arena, you need to act like you believe God's word. And I don't care what your background is. But I come from the Lutheran church. I come to the Baptist church. I come from the Pentecostal church. I don't care who tried to mess you up. What does God's word say? You ain't building your life on what I said. I hope because I said some dumb stuff. You want to base your life on what God said. I double dog dare you to go for the next 90 days, get up every day and say, I commit to prosper. I'm going to be on the increase in my life. Well, you got to be careful because people will be wanting stuff. Man, I'm not, I'm so beyond money. You might get a million dollars accumulated but that don't really matter if you have a $1.3 million bill. It ain't that. It's the mindset that, no, God expects me to prosper so I can do what he's called me to do. I can't shine lightness in a dark spot if I can't afford to flick the bick. I'm going to have to be blessed. Amen? I want you to close your eyes and say this when we say, I commit to prosper. Say it again. I commit to prosper. Let's say it one more time. I commit to prosper. Father, right now as we are here in your presence, we make a commitment to you, Lord, to prosper. Father, we commit to prosper. We're going to have increase in our life. And, Father, every demonic force, every belief system, everything that tries to separate us from your will and your plan, we refuse to allow it access to our life any longer. Open our eyes and show us the issues of our own life, the challenges that we have to, that we have to deal with. If we're going to get in shape, we've got to go to the gym. If we're going to prosper, we're going to have to get a job. We're going to have to uh, walk in wisdom. We're going to have to use uh, you know, financial wisdom and insight. So, God, we commit to grow ourselves, to be prosperous in our soul. But God, show us the things that separate us 
from your plan in this area of life, and we want to grow into the people that you've called us to be. Father, we just thank you.